Welcome to another message from Evangel Church. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information on Evangel Church, visit us at evangelchurch.cc. It's amazing because when Jeff and I, you know, we didn't really talk in detail about what we were going to speak on. Uh, he told me he felt like he's going to deal with some spiritual warfare kind of stuff. And he, I loved his, his question. He said, you don't think that'll freak him out? <laughs> I said, no, it won't. I said, we need to hear that. But uh, this whole idea of how the enemy attacks our minds, I, I've, I've probably shared this before over the 10 years I've been here. But when I played football, I, I wanted to always be fast enough to play linebacker because there was just something about being able to destroy somebody as hard as I could it was that was fun you know uh, but I always played offensive and defensive tackle and the first thing when I when I played on on the on the line like that whenever we got down our stance I would never rest my hand on my knee you see a lot of guys get down in their stance and they'll put their arm up here like this on there I would never do that I always doubled my fist and I always had it down alongside my leg so I'd have a little more uh, chance to not come from a, a stationary position. I wanted more, a little more distance to gain a little more power. But the first shot, when as soon as the snap of the ball, what I would do, we would, uh, our, our coaches were kind of crazy. I'm sure most football coaches are. But we would practice drills where one guy would get in a catcher stance. You know what I'm talking about, a catcher stance, kind of like what our Kenyan uh, bathroom experience was after the chairs. It was basically a catcher stance most of the time. But when we would play, practice this drill, one guy would just be squatting with his hands behind his back, and coach was trying to teach us to learn how to fire fast off the snap of the ball. And so as soon as he'd hit the whistle, and somebody, he'd say, hike, and blow the whistle. The guy would be in his stance, whether it's a defensive stance or an offensive stance, his partner there in this total prone position of just getting destroyed would be squatting there, and you would fire off as hard as you could, and with your helmet, just helmet to helmet, just as hard as you could, as fast as you could, to the blow of the whistle. He's trying to teach us to be quick and to lead with our head. And... He taught us something that was very true, because where, where somebody's head goes, the rest of the body follows. You guys understand that. You know that. And so my first shot was to be fire off the ball and hit the guy as hard as I could with my face mask to pop his head back. And then my next shot was a fist, either because I had his head, head uh, popped back, so his mask and everything would be popped up a little bit. And so my next shot was to the jaw, if I could get it to the jaw, if I couldn't get it there, I'd get it to the throat, okay? And that I'd hit him as hard as I could. And then you're like, Pastor, that's not very inspiring today. But <laughs> it was fun back in the day, I promise you. Because when I hit a guy like that, his head would pop. I'd drive his head as hard as I could either in the chin. And then wherever I wanted to take him, I could take him. If I wanted to shuck him, I could. If I was playing defense, if I was playing offense, if I needed to keep my hands in and drive him. But I guarantee you while I was doing I was nailing his head as often as I could. I believe the enemy of our soul does the same thing to men. If he can get our heads turned, if he can get our minds impacted, if he can rock us back enough, he will take the rest of the body the direction of the head. And... Uh, this morning, I, I just think of what Jeff's been pouring into us last night and this morning. I, I think there's, there's an aspect of rah-rah that we want to be as men of God. But we need to be smart about this too and understand who the enemy is. 
and the tactics that he uses to try to destroy our lives. And uh, uh, I, I love preaching to men. I've preached to men's conferences before, and I, 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 we've never had one here. And this is a dream come true. For nine and a half years, I have wanted to see us have a men's conference where we just pour into our men. So thanks so much for being a part of it. Yeah, how many of you have ever watched the movie Braveheart like 12 times? Because you, know, you know how you just can't, you, you flip through the channel, it's Braveheart, I'm watching it. I, I don't get it. I can't, it's one of those movies, okay, I got to watch Braveheart a little bit, you know. I want you to look at this scene because this is, I, I know, it's, it's guys. We like this kind of stuff. It, watch this scene when he's out there on his horse and he's challenging the men about freedom. Take a look at this. I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And three men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight against that? No! We will run! And we will live! Aye. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to train all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Okay, you guys can all come over to my house tonight. We'll rent the movie and we'll watch the whole thing, okay? I mean, I, I just watched two minutes of it. I'm like, oh, I want to see the rest of the movie, okay? Uh, this is the part right after when they're thinking who he is and they're, they're saying, oh, yeah, William Wallace, he's so many you know, feet high. You know, he's like 10 feet tall or whatever, and he shoots fire out of his rear end or something like that. You know, that, that part of the movie, too. But... Uh, uh, I like the part where he rides down after this and they ask, where's he going? They say, he's going to go pick a fight. I like that part. And you know what? I want us to be ready to, if, if the enemy wants to mess with us, we're ready to fight. Okay? I want us to have that heart. And you know what? My commitment is, I don't want to live my life haphazardly where I don't have the freedom that God expects me to have in worshiping him and living for him and trying to take some men along this, this journey with me. And I, I challenge you to be men that understand the freedom of God. I want to look at uh, some various verses of scripture just here and, and a couple of different stories. Uh, look at what David says. David was a warrior. He was a man of blood. And I, that may freak out some of you because if you don't know as much of your Bible yet, Yet, because I'm going to challenge you to pick up the right tool, not the dull saw that we saw earlier. Pick up the sharp tool, the great sword of God's word, and watch how powerful it is in your life. But uh, he was a man of blood. He was a great commander. He was a great fighter. 
And look what he says. It is God who arms me with strength. How many of you know our strength is not in our own physical body? Jeff, I can tell you, I've got you six months on turning 50. And I tell you, the strength is not what it once was. I, could, I gotta confess that, okay? But it's God who arms us with strength. And he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on high places. Some of you know that I love to hunt. I love to hunt deer. Uh, Graf and I love to hunt. I think you guys have been with us. Uh, in the, I've hunted the same spots you guys have gone. Uh, you say, Pastor, you kill stuff? Yeah, sometimes a pastor needs to kill something. I'll just tell you. It just, it's just good for us, okay? Jeff, I've never taken deer. I need to take deer. You will feel such joy in killing something, I, you know. But uh, it's just, it's an important lesson that we learn that God gives us strength. And it says he teach. look at this next phrase. You need, if you have your Bibles, you should underline this. He teaches my hands to make war. Now, I'm not talking against your wife. I'm not talking about your kids. David understands that his role in life was to fight for God. It was a, an attitude of his spirit and his heart. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms, arms can bend a, a bow of bronze. I've pursued, listen to this, I have pursued my enemies. This is not waiting for the enemy to come bring the fight to you. This is about taking the fight to the enemy. You guys have made that step this weekend on last night and tonight. You're saying, okay, we're not waiting for the enemy any longer to take us by charge. We're not waiting for him to come across the line and bust us in the heads. We're taking it to him. It says, I have wounded them, or I've pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn my back again till they were destroyed. There was no retreat. There was no easing up. He made sure the enemies were gone. I have wounded them so that they were not able to rise. They have fallen under my feet. Now look at it again. Even though he's been a great warrior, they chanted about how he had killed his thousands. People chanted that about David. Look who he gives credit to. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. Part of that story that Jeff just shared about the sons of Sceva, part of that I look at is not only did they know, not know who they were, but I think they were trying to be a little cocky. I think they were trying to take a little credit for themselves. Let's do this. Let's watch this. They were playing, and they didn't realize they were playing with supernatural stuff. The name of Jesus is supernatural. Anybody agree with that? It's miraculous, and you don't play with that. You're serious about it and you give honor to the Lord. But I, I love this verse of scripture in Daniel eleven thirty two. It says, the people, say it with me, the people who know their God. Can we say the men who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I love the Old Testament. Uh, I love the New Testament. But when, when, uh, you start talking about all the guys of the Old Testament, the warriors of the Old Testament. Man, it's like Braveheart in the Old Testament. It is so cool. And these guys were awesome. These men that they, David, David's spirit produced spirit around him. And he was a warrior. And the warriors that were his main guys around him, they were studs. 
These guys weren't, you know, soft in any way. They were, they were men of war. Uh, there's a portion of scripture in 2 Samuel that talks about David's men. I, I've preached on this before. I love preaching this at conferences of men. Joshua Bashabeth, he's a Tachmanite, was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. One on 800? There's no pokety-poke there, man. This guy was phenomenal. This is, this is uh, the 300 kind of story of the Greeks, you know, kind of thing. These guys were weapons, man, on the battlefield. Eliezer, he, he it tells about him that he fought so long that his sword froze in his hand. Man, and to think of that, man, he was such an incredible fighter that he would fight so hard and they would just incredibly defeat their enemies. I love that. I hope that this is the sword you hold on to so hard and so long that it freezes to your hand to the point that it's a part of your heart and soul. This sword, this powerful thing. It's great stories of the Old Testament. Another guy... Shama, he, uh, he's standing in the field and some of the guys retreat and they leave him all by himself in the field and this entire regiment of Philistine soldiers come at him and he stands by himself in the middle of the field and defends that field. In no way is he giving any ground up to the enemy. Those are the kind of stories that are in the Old Testament about these men whom God armed them with strength, who taught their hands to make war who gave them strength for the battle. And I just, I'm going to, it's interesting that some of the points that I make are going to probably reiterate what Jeff's already said, but my first main thought is just to remind all of you again, and I believe this is the Lord just telling you, you definitely need to take this home. Let it be confirmation of what Jeff said. The first thought I want to leave with you is this, there is a real enemy. How many of you know that? We're not playing a game here. This is not... Friday night football, you know, this is not Friday night lights and then after the game's over, you know, two teams go home and everything's cool. This is not the, the walk out and shake hands after the ninth inning and shake hands with somebody after you've played a nice game of baseball. Dude, this is war. There is a real enemy. And I want you to hear this. The Lord spoke this into my heart. The enemy is not you. The enemy is not you. And you know what? I have found more men... I have found more men that it seems like when you talk to them about their relationship with God, their heads drop and their shoulders slump and they struggle because they look at themselves and their own weakness and their own sin, their own familiarness of your sin. David says, my, my sin is always before me. He knew his weaknesses. Though he was an incredible warrior, he knew his weaknesses. And I just see sometimes that you feel like you're your, you're your worst enemy. And I just want you to know, the enemy is not you. And I thought Jeff's message and, and, and his explanation of how the enemy and that, that incredible weight you feel sometimes out in the ocean kind of thing, you feel that push against you. I want you to know, you are not the enemy. I loved your illustration about you and your wife. I knew them when they were uh, in college. She was a freshman and he was a senior taking advantage of those young girls coming in, you know. As a matter of fact, you know, for a couple years, we were in, in classes. Do you remember this? We would volunteer. Do you remember when we used to do this? 
when we didn't have girlfriends or anything, we would volunteer to do all the intake of all the new freshmen because we knew all the freshman girls would have to come through our table and we'd get to check out all the new girls. We did that. Well, <laughs> Melody came along and he, 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 that, was her, that was yours for the taking. That was pretty incredible. I have no idea what I want to say now. But anyway, that was a good story. All right. Now, you're, you said that about your wife. And how many of you, that, that illustration of getting in an argument with your, your wife or your kid or something like that, and you go to that point of anger and frustration, and you try to walk away from it, kind of blow steam, you know, count to 10 kind of thing. It was so practical for every one of us. But your wife is not your enemy. Your kid, maybe your kid that's in total rebellion for some of you older ones. Maybe some of you younger, you got that two-year-old, and you think, oh my gosh, I got the son of, a, of the devil right here, you know, because the kid's so honoring. Now, I don't know what that situation is, but they're not the enemy. That person at work, somebody, I heard somebody say something, they're just totally frustrated with somebody at work. They are not the enemy. All hell is your enemy and mine. And they want to see us destroyed. And again, I'll remind you what Ephesians 6.12 said. Look at it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. When I stood across the line, somebody, that was flesh and blood. I could rock them. But it's kind of difficult when you realize it's not flesh and blood. It's not me against Josh here. That's not the issue. This is a spiritual battle. It goes on to say that it's rulers of darkness. And against spiritual weakness, if you ask some people if they believe in God, there'll be a lot of people that'll tell you, still in our world today, they don't believe in God. There's still atheists in the world. But if you ever run across an atheist, you ask them the second question. Ask them, do you believe in evil? And I guarantee you, the majority of them will tell you, absolutely. Because they've seen evil. And they can't explain it. They've heard the reports, they've seen the news shots. They don't understand how somebody could kill this person or kill their kids, open a gun and shoot their children. They can't believe that somebody do that, but they believe in evil. It's true. Some of you wonder why at times things are so hard and they don't make sense. Listen to me. The enemy is an author of confusion and lies. He's the author of it. He's the father of all lies. So don't go to bed with him and start believing the lies, okay? You got to know, the powerful scripture is a slide here. It says, uh, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is a real enemy. So wake up and be discerning. This is war, and it's a war for your soul and everything you love. I think we've made that very clear in this fight conference in these last two days. The second thought I want you to know, you are a part of a life and death battle. I'll tell you why. There's been plenty of people that have died. There's been a lot of men that have bit the dust. There's a lot of men that have fallen at the enemy's sword. But there's a lot of men that are living victorious. I want you to know that. There's a lot of men, and I'll tell you what, this is one man that wants to live victorious. I don't want to just get by. I don't want to come in and tie this game. I hate ties. I don't believe in ties. I, I can't stand that. Well, let's all go home and happy. We're all, you know, everybody's happy. No, I want to go until it's, it's 3 o'clock in the morning until we win this thing, okay? I want you to be understanding that this is a battle of life and death. 
And here's the thing I've got to make sure you understand is don't you dare underestimate the enemy. Don't you dare. I think the sons of Sceva underestimated the power of demonic spirits. Don't you underestimate. Let me give you a, you know I like history stuff. Uh, the Battle of Waterloo, Napoleon. Charge of the Light Brigade. Maybe you've heard of the book or the movie. The British Forces. Some of you may like, I know Jeff loves uh, Civil War. Pickett's Charge, you've heard of that maybe before. North and South, the Civil War time. Battle of Midway, the United States against the Japan situation in, in the island of Midway. The Bay of Pigs, Carmelo. Bay of Pigs, man, Cuban exiles joining with some American forces to go against Castro's regime. Six-day war when Israel fought against Egypt, Jordan, and Syria. One nation against three. They all have one thing in common. Every one of those different battles that I told you about all have one thing. They were military disasters. Overwhelming casualty and loss. You know why? Because somebody underestimated the enemy. Somebody did not understand just how powerful and strong they were in a fight against. I just want you to know, John 10.10, Satan is very clearly spoken about. It says that he has come to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill anything that you love. He wants to steal everything that you're passionate about, and he will destroy your own life. This is a matter of life and death. This is heaven and hell stuff. This is not just physical stuff. This is eternal stuff that we're talking about. But I got great news. I love the rest of that verse. Jesus has come, why? that you might have life and that you can live it to the full. I believe you can live with a passion for God, with victory in your heart as a man whose arms and hands have been readied for war by God and you can take this to the enemy, not wait and go, when's he coming, when's he coming? No, you can be the aggressor and you can be the one that wins and defeats the enemy in your life. Great news. That's what evangel means, good news. That's the word. Whenever somebody says, what does evangel mean? That's the one thing I've, I realize about our church. A lot of the casual person out there on the streets have no idea what does evangel mean. As a matter of fact, whenever I try to tell them and have, they have to write it down, they're like, evangelical, evangel, you know, they have no idea. Sometimes I just say, E-V, angel, okay, get it, all right, spell it right, okay? But uh, it just simply means good news. And I want you to know, this battle... I don't have to be afraid of. I'm not sitting here afraid of the enemy. As a matter of fact, you were telling the story of being in, in Uganda. One of the days we were there, we were praying for people, and this guy steps up. He was a tall, skinny guy, and he was kind of dressed. Probably He had a nice stuff about him a little bit more so than some of the other people, and uh, he was a witch doctor. And I'm watching him because I could tell something was different about him. And there were women as a part of our prayer team and stuff like that, young college-age kids and stuff like that. And he was watching these women. And he was getting closer to them, and he got right in front of them because he wanted them to reach out and touch him. And I watched this guy's eyes, and he would, his eyes were glazed. Not cataracts, glazed. You know what I'm talking about. And his eyes were rolling in his head. 
I mean, he was just, and then he would look at one of those girls and he'd look her over and his eyes and his smile and smirk. I mean, it was demonic to the max. And I just took, I don't know. I, I, I've never had the book that says, here's what to do. Which doctors for dummies? I never read that book, okay? I never read that. My, my calendar on my phone, it did not have which doctor meeting today. Uh, you know, I hadn't, that wasn't on the schedule. But there was something that came over me. And it wasn't Ron. It was the power of Jesus. And man, this big old mitt came out. And he, he stood up and it was time to pray. And sorry, Josh, you're not the witch doctor, but I'm going to use you. Man, I, put, I, I went after him. I went right through that line. I told the ladies to get back. And I said, in the name of Jesus. And I put, I, I did. It was, I didn't quite hit him as hard as I wanted to, you know. But I prayed my guts out. But I prayed in the authority of Christ. Later that day, I talked with him, and he was in his right mind. And I started praying with him and talking to him and counseling him. And he, the reason why I went aggressive on him was because he had sticks that he would carve certain stuff in. And he would sell those to people because they had certain powers. And while we were standing there praying and all these people trying to pray, I'd look down and he would take one of those sticks and he would start tapping the ground in a certain pattern because there was some kind of ritual, his hocus pocus stuff, whatever it was, he was doing that. And I wasn't going to let the enemy, I'm never going to let the enemy try to steal glory from God. People's lives were being changed. Blind eyes were being opened. Crippled people being, being healed. I mean, it was phenomenal. Deaf ears were, were being able to hear. We were doing that. And I remember Johannes up there on the ground. And, and the hat, somebody would be standing uh, on the far end of the stage. And he would be behind them. And they would be facing thousands of people in the crowd. And they said every time, was it the snap of his finger, I believe it was? He was telling him to clap every time. And here this person would be back right, And they would hear the snap and they'd clap their hands. Because God was restoring people's healing. I mean, their hearing. It was incredible. But it's not one of these times, even though it's a life and death battle that we're in, we do not have to be afraid. When the curtain moves, I don't jump, okay? I just want you to know that. I want you to know God is greater in us than, than he that's in the world. How many of you believe that with all your heart? But the Bible tells us that this battle is the Lord's. I love that. Do you know the story about David and Goliath? You guys know the, that idea, that story, where David, this young teenage guy, volunteers to go fight Goliath when nobody else, all the military, it's got, you've got the, the enemies of God, the Philistines on one side of the hillside, and, and Israel and all their armies on this side, and this Goliath is coming out and mocking them and cursing them, cursing God, and says, come on, send somebody out. Nobody would go. And here this young teenage guy says, I'll go. The Lord's delivered the lion, the bear. He'll, he'll, he'll deliver me from this Goliath, from this giant. He goes out. I love it. Listen to what happens. Goliath is, is mocking him. He's calling him a little dog. I mean, one paraphrase says something about, uh, you know, getting a little newspaper after the dog. You know, one, one uh, description of the story. David I love it. He smack talks. He smack talks right back to Goliath. You know what I'm talking about, smack talking. Uh, I know you do. Okay. This is what 
1 Samuel 17 says, David said, everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. Say that with me. This is the Lord's battle. Say it again. This is the Lord's battle. You need to be able to say that when you sense that tension uh, of the tide coming against you and that pressure. You need to say, this is the Lord's battle. This is not mine. This is the Lord's. And he says, and he will give you to us. I, I want you to see that. I want you to see that little Grady's back there. I saw him with Tritton, you know, he's all of uh, 10 weeks old. That would be like me standing up next to this little 10-month-old, 10, 10-week-old 10 baby. This was just such a against-all-odd situation. But man, there was something in David's heart because he had proven what God could do through him. He had proven it before, and he knew nothing was going to be different when he stood there with the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. Whatever you're battling, whatever is your issue, some of you say it's greed. Some of you may say it's your lustful thoughts. Some of you say it's this pain in the rear end at work that just is my nemesis and it's just causing me stress and anxious thoughts. I'm so mad I can just tear them apart. Some of you are discouraged. It's just a tough season for you. Some of you may feel that I, I think I'm moving into depression mode. Maybe it's fear in your life, fear of doing something that you don't know you can do, something that's upon you. Maybe it's debt that's struggling with you. Some of you, like I mentioned last night, could be pornography, and it's just you're trying to break. It's kind of like what you were talking about, eating right for a little while. I know all about that, and trying to watch what you're eating and trying to exercise a little bit, and then all of a sudden you fall off the wagon. That's some, for some of you, that's what it is with maybe pornography. Some of you, it's just doubt. You're just not confident in whatever it is with your work or whatever. I want, I want you to pause right now. Think of what that is. Think of the one or two things that you know that is. You were maybe even praying about it in the last session. I want you to say this with me. God, this battle with, and then you fill in the blank. This battle with, this is yours. I want you to think that. Say it one more time with me and just say, God, this battle with, and you fill in the blank. This is your, whisper that under your breath right now. God, this battle with this, this battle is yours. You got to understand it. Look what, what David goes on to say in a different psalm. He says, the Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Guys, I want you to know. Gary, I know, I know at one season of your life, you loved to power lift. And, and there were times you were strong. I remember I, I, you were getting huge, man. Your upper body and arms and chest, you were getting big. And there's times in my life, I, I remember I, I got into a thing where I was really lifting hard and, and uh, to, to jump up close to 400 pounds at a bench press was nothing in my workout. I was, I was throwing some pounds, man. I had, to, I had to buy new suits. I couldn't get my arms through the sleeves of my suits. It was stupid. I'm like, I can't afford this, you know. But you know what? And, and we all want to be strong. We don't want to look or act weak. But I want you to know, in this battle against the enemy, we got to not trust in our own ability and strength. We've got to trust in the strength of the Lord. The, str the Lord is the strength of my life. 
Whom shall I be afraid? I, want, I don't want one man in this church to ever be afraid of the enemy. I don't want you ever to be afraid of demonic powers. I don't want you ever to be afraid of Satan himself. My heart shall not fear. I will be confident, that verse says. And I want men in this church to be confident in their relationship with Christ and confident that the enemy's not going to take his toll on you, that you're going to stand against him. I want to remind you, Jeff mentioned it briefly. I, I had the verse in my, in my notes here. Look what Jesus did with his disciples. It says he called his 12 disciples together and says what? Gave them what? What's the word? Power and what's the other word? And authority over how many demons? All demons. There's not a demon in hell that God hasn't given us power and authority over. And even to cure diseases. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. How many of you know we're disciples of Jesus today? And he's given us power and authority over the enemy. Third point, quickly coming here to the end. If we don't destroy the enemy, their giants will be left to our children. You say, what are you talking about? You remember Goliath? I just told you that. There's a story about Goliath, obviously. He was a part of the enemy's great warriors. If we do a little historical research, Jeff, I think we could go back and realize that if Saul, the king before David, would have done what he was supposed to do when they battled certain enemies, he was supposed to put all of them to death. If you put to death the enemy, there aren't, aren't giants to grow up for the next generation. And if, if Saul would have been obedient when, when God told him, wipe these people out. They're your enemy. They were evil. They were demonic. They, they had all this kind of stuff. Man, if they would have stepped up and done that, there wouldn't have been something left like these giants to the next generation. Well, I don't know about you, but when I think about my kids and to think that something I don't do could eventually impact my kids... Now that's fighting words. I love my two daughters. There's nothing I would not do for them. I will love them immensely. To think that I did not do something in battle that would leave an enemy for them to have to deal with, I don't want that to happen. For your grandkids, John, God help us deal with the enemies and do what God tells us to do in battle so we don't leave something left undone for somebody behind us that we love so much. Some of you think, man, you mean God commanded for people to be killed? Absolutely, because it was an evil setting. An evil setting. You'd be surprised probably by this, and I'm not trying to get in politics. I'm not opposed to the death penalty. I just want you to know that. Because I look at it in the Old Testament and I see when people were destroying other people, killing people, there was a sense that God was saying, you got to protect. And people that took other people's lives, it's, it's a strong teaching in the Old Testament. I've never come out hardcore from the, the pulpit on that. But you go do a study of the Old Testament and God sees that. You say, why? This incredible God of mercy and grace, and obviously Jesus came to give us authority over the enemy. Instead of having to kill certain people today, we can pray over them and see God deliver them. I'll just get off real quick the subject. Listen to me. In 9-11, how many of you know, 
we didn't kill all the giants. After 9-11, there's still a lot of evil in this world. A lot of evil in this world. And it just proves the fact that, man, there's times that we as men of God have to fight hard for those that we love and our families. And we can't let the enemy just go about doing whatever they want. When God tells us to get rid of this thing in our life, we better get rid of it. Because if we don't, it could continue to grow into a giant that could impact our kids or our grandkids. You see the analogy I'm trying to talk about? I'm not talking about 9-11. I'm not talking about terrorism. I'm talking about the things that you're calling out to God. Say, here's God, the area where the enemy tempts me with. I'm saying, you better deal with this. And this better be serious battle for you that you, with the authority that God's given you, take charge over that and kill it so it never has a chance to grow beyond and it doesn't impact the next generation. Okay? I love this picture of... Uh, of David and Goliath. It's an old picture. It just shows him standing over Goliath with the sword ready to chop his head off. I love that. And I want to challenge you, whether it's your greed or whether it's your porn or whether it's your, your hatred or bitterness to somebody in your past, it's your fear or depression, man, I pray that God will help you destroy that thing so it can never impact anybody else. Look at this verse of scripture from David. Through you, we will push down our enemies. Through your name, we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies and have put to shame those who hated us. In God, we boast all day long and praise your name forever. How many of you want to boast in God all day long? Because he gives you victory in your life. The last thing is God has already won this war. How many of you know that's true? I loved it last night when you started talking about that and throwing down a little bit on it and by the blood of Jesus. I'm like, that's my last thought, man. We have already won this war. But how many of you know, even though we've won the war, we still have to fight. We don't go sitting on our lazy boy chairs propped up with some iced tea now and say, okay, we don't have to do anything. No, we still have to fight. If you study... Uh, history's battles and wars and stuff like that, there are times that the war is over, but there's still skirmishes going on. You know what I'm talking about? That's not just a Gilligan's Island episode, okay? There, that is real history, okay? There's still battles for us to fight. We have to remember, though, that we have won. I love Isaiah 54. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. See, it's not your righteousness. It's God's righteousness through Christ that helps you win. You have righteousness because of Jesus. No weapon's going to help prosper the enemy against you God's going to help you because this is your heritage I love what the New Testament says the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom that's what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 you were you were talking about stepping on the snake I just remember I almost showed a video of what it looks like because I'm a country boy when I was a little kid we used to kill chickens I like the feathers, by the way, in your cap this morning. That's very nice. He's got the chicken feathers stuck in his cap. I love that. See that? Nice. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. I, I did. I looked at a, view, a YouTube video this week. I think, 
I don't know if I want to go there, but it just shows a guy with the chicken. I used to do this as a kid. My job was to reach in and grab the chicken by the feet. We'd lay that chicken across the stump, and, and I'd drag his head out so it'd kind of stretch his head out, and kaboom, the hatch would come down, and that thing would go nuts. My sister's job, yeah, this was a family thing. We called it chicken killing day. Because we didn't have money, we, had, we didn't have a lot of money, so we had chickens that we raised and we'd put chicken in the freezer this way. And my sister's job was to hold the, like the stove box, we'd get a box, and she'd have the lid and everything, and she's supposed to hold it there, and I was supposed to throw it, in, I was supposed to throw it in the box, but she'd be holding the box, and so i just purposely miss sometimes. Because I'd be back and I'd be tossing this thing to the box and I'd miss and that thing would go crazy. You know what I'm talking about. they just go everywhere. That's why I said you're like a chicken with his head cut off. They're just bouncing around. How many have never seen a chicken's head cut off? Let me see your hand. There, there you go. The, 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 the computer guy back there. Now, you need to see this someday. You, uh, you need to go to YouTube and watch this. It will change your life, Peter. It really will. Okay. Unbelievable. That thing would go everywhere. It'd start going down the, 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 the yard, man, and out in the back and down the little ditch in the side between. We'd have to be chasing this thing, and it'd just go everywhere, spurting blood everywhere. Man, it was nasty, dirty stuff, you know? Chicken killing day. That's what's happened to the enemy. I just want you to know, and he's, like you said, how the snake will, will squirm. It's exactly the same illustration, just a different animal. It's what the devil's doing, and he is trying to take as many people with him in those last bits of skirmishing efforts. He's trying to take as many men as he can because he knows if he can get the leader of the pack, if he can get the father, if he can get the grandfather, he can take out many other people after him. So I challenge you, no, this is real, but God's already won this war. God's won this war. I just want you to know, I close with this. I hate bullies. I don't like bullies. Don't want to be a bully. I work real hard when I walk into a, a hospital or a business place and there's an elevator and I have to get on the elevator and there's some poor little lady standing there and I'm not real small and she's looking up and I can tell she's scared, she's panicking, she's, she's this big old guy. I try to smile because I don't want to be intimidated. I don't like that. I want to just be a kind person, a nice person. And... Uh, but I, I, I had this in my notes, and you were saying we all have a story. I remember his name was Perry. Perry was a guy that uh, was a good athlete, really good athlete. He was kind of the leader of his pack, and uh, we would made it to high school. Perry's just kind of that bully, even though he's a good athlete. He just tried to run roughshod. His dad was a good guy, too. His dad was a conservation agent, and... Uh, but Perry just had an attitude about it. He just picked on people and run rough shot. And I remember we were in baseball practice one day and uh, we were supposed to be uh, hitting wiffle balls or something. He got upset about something and he chucked me in the chest. You know what? After a while, you're just tired of people doing that kind of stuff to you and to other people. And you know, I know I'm not trying to brag about this because I'm not proud of this, but this was the old Ron. I was tired of that. And man, while he was standing, he chucked me, and I just went, bang, just popped him right in the face. Just rocked his head. 
Oh, I heard about it the next day. I heard it in the hallway. I heard it. Oh, you took a cheap shot at me. He started cussing at me. I just finally walked up to him and said, okay, you think that was a cheap shot? You take your best one. But it better be a good one because after that, it's going down. I was just tired of it. I was tired of this guy. Just met. And you know what? I'm tired, Jeff, of men in our churches getting hit by the enemy over and over again. I'm tired of the smack talk. I'm tired of the ridicule. I'm tired of them telling. I'm tired of the culture of today depicting men as idiots and fools. I'm tired of watching any kind of TV show on any night of the week. Doesn't matter whether it's in reruns or brand new shows. They depict men as stupid, as, as guys that don't have uh, uh, authority in their home. Their wives kind of make them look like idiots. Their kids make them look. Listen to me. I believe there's men of God whose arms and hands are ready for war and God has put them in a place with authority and dominion in their household to be godly men, priests of their home, that, that aren't making their enemies out of their wives and their kids, but know that there's a spiritual battle going on that they can put the armor on, like Ephesians 6 says, and man, man I'm going to win for God. I'm tired of the enemy sticking his face in men's face and say, man, you're a loser. You're not going to make it. This has got control of you. And this has got, I want somebody to say in the name of Jesus, bang, pop him in the head. Let his head roll off again. I mean, it's just time where we understand who we are in Christ. Enemy comes and starts to talk. You do like Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He used the word of God. Remember that? When the enemy, you say, you mean Satan came at Jesus? Absolutely, in the wilderness. He just, that's exactly what he said. It is written. He quoted the word of God. Do you realize all hell trembles at the name of Jesus? All hell trembles at the power of God's word. And I challenge you, know God's word. Listen to this. Give me a group of men at Evangel Church who will seek God first in their lives. And I'll tell you what, we'll put the enemy to flight. Look what it says, Leviticus 26, it says, if you walk in my statutes, what are the statutes of the Lord? Right here. If you walk in the ways of God and keep my commandments and perform them, you shall eat your bread to the full. How many of you love bread? I love bread. I know Jesus said man can't live by bread alone. Sometimes I really wonder that because I really love bread. I, I got to confess that. He said, you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. Listen to me. I don't think you have to be afraid of the enemy. I don't think you have to be afraid for your kids or your grandkids or afraid for your wife. I believe you can be a man of God that stands on these, these commands and live for God with all your heart, with safety in your heart. I will give you peace in the land and you shall lie down and none, what, will make you, what, afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts and the sword will not go through your land. Now look at this. You will chase your enemies and they shall fall by the sword. Who is the aggressor now? Who's the aggressor? Who's the prowling lion now? We are when we realize the authority and who we are in Christ Jesus. You shall, they shall fall by the sword before you. 
five, what's it say? Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. How many of you know it's time to pick a fight? It's time to pick a fight. It's time to throw down and fight for God. Not as men, but as men of God. Show you this. Some of you may remember this slide. I really believe that I want to show this slide to as many men as I possibly can show. I built this slide, I think two years ago when I was doing a man up conference in the Rockford area for a group of men. And it's hit me. What's common? I, I looked for all these pictures and found them, put them together in this slide. What's common about all the pictures? There's lions killing a zebra. I think there's uh, uh, some antelope. I think there's uh, 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 one of the, what's the wildebeest things, you know, uh, even a Cape buffalo. Man, they're, they're getting destroyed by lions. What do, what do all those pictures have in common? Look at the next slide. All the victims are isolated from the herd. That's what the enemy does. Have you ever watched National Geographic? What is it about guys when something's about to get devoured or eaten? We got to watch it. Why is that? You like that? Are you guys like that? Naturally, oh, here comes the alligator. They're crossing the water. Oh, I got to watch this for a couple minutes. There's something about us. I don't know why. It's amazing when you watch those things, how they will, you'll see those lions or those, you know, the, the different big cats. They'll start running beside it and they'll look, they'll look. And they'll wait, and then all of a sudden they'll cut one from the herd, don't they? They get the one that's isolated from the herd, and they'll bring them down. You do not know how important this group of men are to you. You don't realize it, but this is vital to fight and win. That every one of us know that we've got friends and brothers that are fighting. This staff, this pastoral staff, know my illustration. I want to trust you guys that when we're in battle and I'm fighting and I have to take a step back or something and I bump into somebody, I know that one of you guys are standing behind me with your sword and you're fighting from behind. I need that kind of accountability. I need to have men of God in this church that know one another. You know what I'm talking about. When people are fighting together, you know we're covered. We're protected because men of God have picked up the word of God and said, I'm going to fight like a man of God. Now, I'm just going to tell you, it's time to put your big boy pants on. Big boy pants on, not these little boy pants. Big boy pants. There came a time in my life that I realized this was no longer going to be sporadic in my life. But every day, I was strapping on. Every day, the sword was going on. Every day, it was going to be in my heart. It was going to be in my mind. There just comes a point, you need to put your big boy pants on and say, I'm ready to strap on for God. Nothing else in my life is more important in the mornings than this right here. Nothing. This morning, you say, well, Pastor, you're speaking today. This morning, first thing, first thing. I didn't read about this. I read about what I needed for me today. You watch me on Facebook. That's my accountability. Everyone is man. Every morning, I'm going to be spending time with God, and I will put something from my reading on that for you because I'm committed. You're going to back up, and you're going to feel me in the behind you because I'm swinging away. My sword's moving, 
And I challenge every one of you, put your big boy pants on and make the Word of God something powerful in your life every day. So when the enemy comes in, you say, in the name of Jesus Christ. I love that when, when uh, David stands up there in front of Goliath. Here's Goliath with the Mac Daddy weapons of the day. Man, here he's a monster. He's got everything. They said that the end of his spear, according to scripture, weighed 20 pounds. Just the spearhead. That's a strong man. David stands up and he says, you come at me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. I love that. May there be a group of men every morning raise their sword to God and say, Lord, I come in the name of my God, the Lord of heaven's army, and today I'm taking the battle that's yours out to the enemy, and I'm going to bust some head today. Taking ground for God. Don't you come here on my household. Don't you come after my daughters. Don't you come after my wife. Don't you come after my friends and my church because we're going to do battle. This is a fight. We've already won the war. And we're going to put out any skirmish that he puts in us. Get your orders from your undefeated heavyweight champion of all eternity. Okay? Hit first, hit hard, hit long. Every day, endure. And lastly, never fight alone. Fight together. That's what I'm challenging all of you to do. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, love these men I still laugh at the fact Lord why you would take this little redneck and bring him to Chicago with these men of so many different international flavors and talents and gifts men with company influence and business influence and entrepreneurs and men that care about life and their families I, I have no idea other than it's just your purpose and your plan but God, I thank you for every one of them. And God, I pray over them right now. I pray your protection over them. I pray the blood of Jesus would cover them and that the enemy would not take one from this band of brothers in this group today. Lord, I think of the ones that aren't here today that are part of this church and the other men that are yet to be reached by this group of men. I pray over them that we would battle strong. We would take your word we would live for God in victory as children of God, join heirs with Christ, blood-bought, warriors for God. Help us in Jesus' name. Help us in Jesus' name. This concludes the teaching. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened. For more information on Evangel Church, visit us at evangelchurch.cc.